Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedan, founder and CEO of Devian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today we have Ozzy Kimmins, which she is the founder and owner of Ozzy Kimmins Consulting and Advertising Agency. How are you doing today, Ozzy? Hey, good. Hello, everybody. I'm so happy and excited to be here. This is so fun. I am grateful to have you on the show. We just took a few seconds to kind of talk before uh, recording, and for our listeners, I would just like to say you're not seeing her beautiful smile. She has a great energy, and I am sure we're going to have such a great conversation. Uh, but before kind of diving into everything that I want to talk about with you in regards to the marketing world, the advertising world, even your background, but before diving into all that, I give you a small introduction of who you are. Do you mind unpacking that a bit more? Who we are? What do you do? What do you serve? So on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you. I do smile a lot, and I'm really happy to be here. So I appreciate that. Um, so I own an agency, just like you introduced us. Um, it's been about six years that we have been doing business. Um, it's a little bit of a mixed service right now where we do um, them for you ads and funnel building mm. as well with some consulting and teaching our specific system. We have a specific system that is um, for coaches to book and get high ticket clients. Um, so like we build the system, we teach the system, and then we take it over. That's kind of basically the main thing we do. We do have some ads clients and things like that on the side, people who grow with us and just kind of stay with us. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically what we do. And it's all marketing and learning how to tell stories in a very interesting way that, you know, help people change their beliefs and help them um, achieve their goals. So it's very, very fun. That is amazing. There's a lot of things we're going to unpack as uh, as our audience knows. I don't know if you know, so I'm a professional speaker and a peak performance coach. So very much your target uh, client in that regards. And I do get pitched a lot uh, from agencies and so on. And I obviously have uh, that in-house with my agency. But that being said, there's a lot that I do want to unpack in regards to what do you serve? How do you serve it? How do you stand different from the other people that are doing it? And obviously you are succeeding because I had seen in the notes when I was researching you in the last two years, you just made just under 2 million, $1.7 million, which is something like very huge. Congratulations in that regards to bringing your agency to that, to that end. So what do you think you do differently to stand out in the marketplace to serve these coaches that want to get more high ticket uh, item clients? Right. I love the question because um, that is actually a really, really big question in the agency world. Mm -hmm. It's, of course, is, you know, it's an important matter for everyone. You always have to know how to stand out. But in the agency world, we're basically all doing the same, right? Like we're running ads, we're building funnels. 
and you can send out with quality but even there like there's so many amazing agencies and people out there who do the same thing so what we have found is that having a proprietary system is very important is really like the key to help us be different because now we're no longer just being another ads agency another funnel agency another copywriting agency we are teaching and building our own system, right? So we teach you how to do that system. We teach you why it works, how it works. And then we offer to build it for you. And that really is like the key is the difference. Mm. Um, and in my study of other agencies and other people who are very successful, that generally is the thing, right? So even in marketing, like you, I'm sure you guys have heard where you have to have your unique selling proposition. Um, and there are many different names for it, but that really is what it is. Like is your framework, the framework that you teach that makes you unique, that makes your services unique. That is true for the agency model as well. There's gotta be something that is unique in the agency world. That's something generally is going to have to be a specific system that you teach. Um, and it took us a while to get there. Like it wasn't something that we just figured out because we had the separation in, in my brain more than anything, but that, that was like, okay, we help coaches, but we're business so different from coaches. We just do service and we're helping, you know, our clients like to stand out and create that framework and the unique selling proposition, but we're not doing for us. We just like, we're trying to do it from the quality perspective. Like, oh, we are amazing and we have amazing results and we'll drive your profit and blah, blah, blah. And it wasn't until we understood that we needed our own system, our own framework, that we really kind of started standing out. So right now, I really don't even see ourselves like as an agency. I don't see myself as competitor of another agency because they don't teach my system, right? Like I teach a very specific system and that's what we do. Um, and, and like, yeah, like I said, anyone needs this, whether you're an agency or not. Before the agency world, I felt that it was like very, very important um, shift in the way we think and did things. Okay, so that's interesting. So what you're saying is that you have a proprietary uh, methodology or approach or system and process in place for these types of clients to get these leads. Now, in regards to, again, we're going to kind of go into that, and obviously you're going to tell us as much as you want of how what that entails. But before going into that, why did you decide to serve coaches? How did you pick that niche? Was it just because it was kind of like uh, a work from your mentors or yourself being like, hey, you have to find a uh, community? And is it because it's something that had been served to you? Have you had a coach and you saw the results? What was the reason why you kind of lean into helping coaches? I love that question. And you probably saw my smile as soon as you asked, because it's a fun story. Um, so when we started, like this was about six years ago, I think it's about six years and a half. We were not an agency yet, right? Like we're just starting. My husband quit his job and he's like, I'm going to build a business. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, and we were like, the first thing that we did was like, uh, okay, let's just try to go out, you know, to business outside and see how we can serve them. And that wasn't working. And that's when I really started coming in. I was like, okay, like we're not going to give up, right? Like we can make things work. We just need to figure out what it, what we don't know so we can learn it and then we can do it. And that was marketing and sales. That's where like, okay, Ronald, like we suck at sales. I'm good at marketing because I studied in college. You did an MBA, but like, like there's gotta be something. So we started a little bit on the journey and we didn't start with coaches in the beginning because um, we started learning marketing and applying to ourselves. And then we were like, we're not the only ones who don't know this, right? Like all those local businesses around us, we were in Houston at the time, like they don't know this stuff. So that's kind of where the passion for the marketing, marketing and doing for other people was born. But that was our niche for us. We were going for local businesses. We were working a lot with orthodontists. Um, our first big client was a corporation in Dallas. They had like 17 offices. It was really cool. 
Um, but then some things happened with the office where they got sold to a national corporation and they mm -hmm. had their own marketing team. So we lost that. And that was a point in our journey in our lives that we really had to kind of sit down and get and be like, what do we want? Or like, is this what we want? Is this what we love? Do we really want to pursue this and build this? Because at that point in time, we really were relying on it from an income perspective, right? My husband had quit his job. This was it. Like we needed the income, the revenue. And it was at that point in time that I was like, you know, I like there are all these courses that we bought. I'm going to dive in deeper in then and I'm going to figure it out. And I got a small client and she was a fitness client. She was um, a kind of a coach, right? She was trying to get her program out. And it was a very, very low client, like very little. And working with her, I started figuring out that that's where my strengths were. Like, I really understood the online coaching model really well. And then I started comparing to what we were doing with the local people, especially orthodontists. And like, no matter what we did, no matter how good the ads were or the funnels were, like we would generate leads, we would help them with everything. But if they were not like on top calling those leads, it wouldn't work, right? And we would train them, we would talk to them, but most of them just don't have that. And I have talked to other orthodontists who do marketing themselves and they know this. And I'm like, if we're gonna go with this niche, like we're gonna have to figure out how to teach them how to sell as well, which is not something I know and love and don't wanna learn. And that was like, okay, you know what? I love Martine and I love what we're doing for her in the coaching world. I think I wanna pursue that. And that was like the starting point for us. It was like, okay, this is what I really love. This is what we're gonna do. And from there, I just stuck to that. And that was the focus and it has been since then. And I don't regret it. Don't wanna go back to local, it's not our expertise have not tried even to go into e-com or any of that because we're like this is what we do this is what we know really well um and it is what we love so it, it was a, a little bit of a fun story because there was you know like growth and then not growth and then kind of stuck on the wall again and trying to figure things out but ultimately it was born of passion i believe as well so yeah lots of fun there Ozzy, I love that story. And I just want to highlight one thing, if and correct me if I'm wrong, I think this was a six-year uh, time frame, right? This, the, it's been six years that you're in this industry. So how it kind of went about was that aspect? Because I want to highlight that for our viewers and listeners, anytime that you're deciding to do something, it takes time to really figure out who is your niche? Who is your, uh, I see, your ideal client avatar? How do you best serve them? And as you try and you do trial and error, just like you did, you had some orthodontist, then you had this, then you had that, and you realize, oh no, this is the type of clientele I like, the coaches, this is our expertise. Then you're allowed to hone in so much more. And that's when, and correct me once again, if I'm wrong, that the real value impact and income follows when you really found that niche in itself. But that doesn't happen overnight. You have to kind of eat the dirt a bit do some failures, figure yourself out, ask yourself some questions. And then at that point it happens. And I'm guessing you found that niche the last two years, right? That's when the revenue really came in. That's when the impact started happening and you brought massive value to your audience. Am I correct by saying that? Uh, a little bit, kind of. So it, it actually was a little bit longer than that. So we started really doing this, I think, let me see, we're in 2023. I think it was in 2019. So maybe yeah, like three years is when we really started focusing fully on the, the coaches. On the coaches. Thank you so much. What drove the big growth was not, it was the focus. So that was the first step. So I'm 100% with you. And for those of you who are listening, like that's a really important thing, right? You got to take the time and be okay with the time that it takes to figure that out. And that is the first step, like setting down the niche that you love, that you can serve. But then for us, and that is usually how it goes, the next step was ads. 
Um, so up to that point, even though we were an ads agency, we had never run ads for ourselves. I know it sounds weird, but I was always scared because I was used to run ads for coaches. I hadn't run ads for other agencies and it's a very different business model, right? So we hadn't run ads and everyone that we had was either a referral word of mouth, people who just saw me, heard me and loved it. And like no refunds, like everybody was amazing, right? So our, we built our business on referrals and word of mouth. But then we were like, okay, we want more. We joined the mastermind and things like that. We're like, okay, we need to scale this. And that's what drove the big growth Perfect. is when we started running ads to ourselves. Perfect. But like you said, fixing, right? Focusing on that one niche was the first step to that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I okay, so I, I love the way you kind of broke that down and you kind of put it the line in the sand when you're like, okay, I know my niche, I know what I'm doing, the product works, I'm getting referrals, but now how do we impact more people? How do we create more value and utilize the format of the ads? Because like you said, doing ads for coaches, completely different from the verbiage and storytelling, because you did mention storytelling a bit for uh, in the beginning of the call, we are going to uh, highlight that, but the story that you're kind of attaching towards that. Now, before continuing in that realm, I want to kind of, ask you the question of how do you help? Because this is what something that I saw in your, in the stuff that you have written down on my research, help your coaches on shortening, shortening their sales cycles. Because when we're talking about sales cycles, in average, if you're talking about a high ticket item, you're going to be have to doing contacts with your potential clients anywhere between 10 to 15 times before closing a deal. And these are products for, let's say in the, in the 10K ranges or whatever the case is, that's how many contacts you have to do. Now, if you're saying that you're able to shorten that, how do you go about doing that for your coaching clients? Oh, man, I love that question because that you're getting me in a topic I'm really passionate about. And you are 100% right. right? It does take 10 to 15 contacts. Um, and from our experience, from people we work with, from our clients' experience, from mentors and masterminds and everyone, I know that is a fact, right? It takes about, like if you're running ads very specifically, right? Like if you're bringing a brand code lead that never heard from you before, doesn't know you at all, like it can take up to six months to even close that into a high ticket client. The average is about four to eight weeks, right? And the reality is that that was our own sales cycle for a while. In 2019, that's what we were doing. That's how long it was taking us as well. Um, and it it is not a good way to scale. It really isn't because even though profitability builds and you are profitable, it takes too long to hit the profitability when you are at scale because you're spending a lot more as well and you're building a bigger team, right? So like running everything when you're still stuck with so long is just awful. So I'm with you 100%. What we are doing right now, generally we'll close a lead, a code lead into a high ticket client between 72 hours um you can go up to 10 days but like that is generally the maximum so clients are coming sorry leads are coming in they're getting on the phone immediately within you know the next 72 hours you get on the call and you close the lead um that generally is some industries have different names for high ticket right some people refer to high ticket as anything over fifteen thousand dollars some people refer to high ticket as anything over four thousand dollars five thousand dollars um we have done this with offers that are three thousand five thousand six thousand ten thousand and twelve thousand we haven't tested it a whole lot for offers that are higher than that because those are generally the next year and the next elevation um, before those tiers, it generally works really, really well. Now, the the thing here is that what we are teaching and saying is not that you shouldn't follow up after that, that you shouldn't warm up other leads, that you shouldn't have other 
other sequences to bring more people in. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that you don't need to rely on that to build your business. That should just be like the addition, right? That should just be like the the cherry on the cake kind of thing. Um, and it's it, that is a proprietary system that we teach. It's a system that allows you to bring leads, to bring those leads into your funnel, get those leads on a call right away, and then book those calls. Um, we also do train a little bit on the enrollment side of it because we have a partnership with one of my clients um, who uses this specific system. And in that partnership, she jumps on a call with them once a month and she's helping them, you know, solve objections and all those kind of things. So those calls convert a little bit higher. But but that is really how it works. And that's what we're selling. Now, there is a little bit of disclaimer. And I want to make this very clear to anyone who is listening. If you want to learn more, um, this is something I recommend if you want to build to consistently $50,000 per month, right? And if you want to, this is the only thing you can do and should be doing in your business. Like you really don't need to be running a million directions. If you are over 50,000, I would add this as one of your front-end offers. I wouldn't make this your only front-end offer, right? So the disclaimer I'm making here is that if you're under 50,000, you should only do this. If you're above 50,000, this should be one of your many front-end offers. Um, that are bringing leads. It shouldn't be the only one because after 50,000, you start reaching a level of sophistication that is different in the market and you need more things on the front end. So I know it's like, it's sounding like a lot of different things right now, but I just wanted to put that out there because it's a very important piece that we teach. But yeah, is that, is that in sense? Is there anything else I could clarify about it? So, so let me just validate one thing. You said 50, we're talking about 50,000 per month, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So I just wanted to specify that. So yes, hundred percent there is a difference within that when you go over that fifty uh K and you're getting into closer to the six uh, uh digits per month, it's a whole different framework. Right. You probably have sales teams, you have a whole structure right. in place. Even at fifty, I mean, you're not getting to fifty by yourself. It's per month it's not possible unless like there's no unless actually. I I've never met anybody that makes fifty K in a coaching business that runs everything from A to Z by themselves is physically right. impossible. So they already have right. that framework in place and there's other frameworks. Uh, uh, Ozzy, so I love the the aspect that we're talking about this and we could both geek out about this because you're talking about the sales cycle of the coaching world. I am very much into that world as well, but I want to kind of hone it back and talk about your background uh, because when we're starting the show, uh, I kind of talked about, you know, you talked about, sorry to me, where you're from, originally from Brazil, from Brazil, you went a bit of in, in Chile. Then you said that you went to the United States uh, in Austin, Texas, if I'm not mistaken. So you kind of went to that whole aspect of that immigrant uh, approach. And that's something that's really close to my heart. I'm Armenian descent. I'm born in Canada. Both my parents immigrated here. So I wanted to kind of just hear about that story, how you ended up from Brazil to Chile to United States. How was that? Was there a specific reason? What was that journey? And I feel like there's going to be some great value within that. Yeah, I love that question because it's a fun story as well. So as you said, I was born in Brazil, so I'm Brazilian. My family, my parents, both of them, everyone is Brazilian. Um, but when I was about seven years old, my mom got married and she married a Chilean. Um, and we we stayed in Brazil for a while, but he had a business and he was doing import and export between Chile and Brazil. So he would travel a lot to Chile um, and spend a long time there. So that eventually and some other issues in the home as well led my parents to decide that we wanted to move to Chile. So that was the first piece, mm -hmm. right? I was 15 years old, a teenager, had my entire world in Brazil in Curitiba. My friends, my family, I was really close to my uncle because he raised me until I was seven when my mom got married. Um, so in that sense, 
was a very hard transition because I was leaving everyone behind, going to a world that I didn't know, speaking a language I had never spoken before. And that I'm going to admit at that point in time, I kind of hated because I didn't have a great relationship with my stepfather. Um, and I had like some, you know, things. But on the flip side, um, I was also very excited because it was new. It was exciting. It was different. It was an opportunity to go somewhere and learn. So it's like it was a little bit of a mix. I was sad that I was leaving people behind. Right. But I was excited, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go to another place. I'm going to know new people. I'm going to learn a new language. Um, and that was like was the first um, time in my life that I was exposed to different in some ways. Right. And that's very exciting to me. So I was 15 years old and we moved to Chile. And um, this is my side, like a sad story, but it really isn't. But about a year later, they got divorced. <laughs> so my mom was left alone in a world, in a country that she didn't know many people at all, that she didn't speak the language at the time because she was a stay-at-home mom, All right stay-at-home mom so she really didn't learn any spanish for the year that we were there um suddenly she was left all alone they got divorced he moved away and she had six kids well five kids at that point in time she got pregnant that last year and there you go it was just us like my mom and us so i kind of became a little mini mom and in those years that we were in chile that was it like right i was always helping i was always fighting i was taking my brothers and sisters to school so i grew up in an environment that kind of in some ways demanded me to become someone who just pushes forward right no matter what that mixed with excitement is what then led to the united states right because like i like new i like exciting i like learning i like experiences so when i was 20 um the opportunity of studying in the united states came up and at first i was scared i was like there's no way i'm gonna get in i don't have the money like nothing right and i tried it and i applied it and then i had to take the english test it was like i'm not gonna pass and i passed the english test and then they emailed me and said that i was admitted into school two weeks before school started it was crazy it was really fun and i had to pay four thousand dollars in deposit to be able to go and i didn't have that money so that was another really really cool experience um i am religious i am I have a lot of faith in God. So there was a, a lot of journey there between praying and finding help and believing and taking action, faith and action, right? And that was it. Like I booked my plane, everything happened and I came. And the play, the first place I was at, I was actually Utah. It was in um, Houston. And that's when, um, well, that was a year later, but that's where I met my husband. And the rest is history. Here I am with you in the podcast and we've lived here for the last 13, 14 years. Uh, well, not in Arizona, but like between, you know, like Houston, Boston, Utah again, and then Houston again, and then Arizona. I think those are the places we have been at. So it's been lots of fun. So an interesting journey. And yeah, the immigration journey is not easy. Um, I actually got separated from my husband for about nine months when I already had two kids. I was left in Chile without being able to come back in. And that was hard as well. So lots of history there. Lots of cool stuff. Yeah, for sure. So thank you for sharing that. And I love kind of mentioning this because I truly believe once you go through any type of challenges or difficulties within your life, it makes you better as a person because you're able to learn from it. And why am I correlating this to entrepreneurship is that any entrepreneur knows that when you start something, you are going to fail. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. It's right. inevitable in some way, shape right. or form. And when you are somebody that has gone through certain difficulties in regards to, like you just said, the the immigrant uh, background, on my end, like our audience knows, I'm dyslexic. So going through challenges, refined doing gets you ready for that. And I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs that succeed have been gone through challenges 
that teach them how to continue. Because the reality is the only real failure is when you stop. So once you hit that first challenge or that third, that fifth, that 10th, it's not a failure unless you quit, right? So that's what I wanted to highlight over there. And one thing I wanted to kind of uh, ask you over here, it's very obvious that you're successful. You have a great energy. Uh, you're just, you know, like a, just a, like a ball of energy in so many regards. And you're definitely connected with your faith and all that. I definitely felt that. And we learn a lot from people's successes. It's pretty much what we're talking about. But I believe that you learn more from people's failures within the business. And you don't necessarily need to learn just by your failures, but you can learn from other people's failures or difficulties. So my question to you right now within your business, what is an aspect or an element within the business that is difficult, challenging? And how are you looking about that challenge or that difficulty to fix it? So what's a challenging thing that you're going through right now within the business and how do you approach it or what do you want to approach it to fix that problem in itself? Oh, I love that question because I'm 100% with you. I do feel that challenges make us better, um, but they are also very challenging, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the word. Um, right now, and being 100% honest and very transparent as well, I feel that this has been the battle over the last year and a half is truly the scaling piece. It's not so much on the marketing side, because that like once you figure out you kind of have it, it is on the operation side. Mm -hmm. There's always a little bit of a tug war between um, how much you put in, right? How much you're spending on ads, how much you're spending on your team and how much you can get out. Like, so for example, how many clients you sign up, how many people you onboard without stressing any of them, right? So for example, if I bring in too many people because I'm trying to cover all the expenses and I'm trying to plan ahead, then I might stress the entire system because mm -hmm. we're not able to fulfill right? If I don't bring enough people, then I can't pay everyone because we don't have enough. So like, it's always a tug war between how many people we bring, how many people we have on the team, especially as an agency it takes more resources, right? So we are in an in-house agency. So I have my own copywriter, I have my own ad strategist, I have my own graphic designer, right? Our own funnel builder. Like, so those people, they have to get paid whether I have a client or not, yeah. right? And if I add after a certain number of clients, then I need to hire another person to fulfill one of those, you know, duties. But if I overhire, then I'm again left on the stellar war. So that truly has been the struggle for almost a year and a half. It's hard. <laughs> we kind of, we figure it out, we kind of go, but I still don't feel that I fully have it completely. Um, and I have talked to many agency owners and that is always like, is an ongoing continuing more of like, you know, balancing those two sides right there and delivering the quality. Now, one of the things that we have done to fix it is, um, is where the proprietary system comes in and it really does help. So that at the front end, what we have now is a little mini coaching program, right? So before we even take someone into a done for you format, they are going to a four week coaching program where they learn the system, they create a system, they learn how it works, right? So they're prepared and then they launch and they have already something working. And adding that piece there has made a huge difference because before we were coming from lead into done for you, right? And that's where a lot of that stress was happening. Mm -hmm. So by adding a piece of coaching in the beginning is kind of like sustaining a lot of the costs and the business and the scaling so that then we get the right ones and them for you service. So that has kind of fixed a lot of it, but I would be lying if I told you it's 100% fixed because it's not like, I feel like I'm always in that tug war between those two aspects. It's fun, but it's hard. <laughs> it's yeah. like a mix there. 
I love that you mentioned that because it's something that we have spoken about uh, previously on this podcast. And I wanted to highlight essentially it's the three phases of a business, right? You could look at your business in regards to being an infant, then it becomes a teenager, then it becomes a mature adult. And what I understand, you're pretty much in that teenager years flirting with becoming an adult. Now, what do we mean by this? In the beginning, your business is a baby, right? You have to take care of it. You have to be very uh, conscious of his needs. The only reason it's going to survive is by you taking care of it, just like a baby. Then it becomes a teenager. You're starting to grow. You're starting to make money, but it's awkward, right? You're like not even properly. Your hands may be a bit longer than your waist. It's like you're not sure exactly what's happening. There's growth, but there's uncomfort. And then once you hit that maturity level of everything's running. You have the systems and processes in place. You have the proper number of employees and colleagues that are going to bring in a max amount of influx. So then you're actually making revenue because making X amount of millions is one thing, but how much are going on ads? How much are you taking out? What is the revenue at the end of the month, which is the main important thing? A lot of people go out and say, oh, I've made this much this year, this, that, and the other. Yeah, but how much have you saved at the end of the year? How much have you invested in your pocket compared to how much you've invested in ads and all that stuff? So my question what do you think specifically, because you kind of alluded to, but where do you think, not what do you think, but where do you think that tipping point would be from that a teenager to adult within your business specifically, especially that you speak with other agency owners or in the same type of world with you? Is it having X amount of employees and then from there, they could handle a huge number of, of clients? Where do you think that tipping point kind of entails for your business? Yeah, it's a really, really good question. And I love that you're saying specifically for our business, because I am sure that you realize it's different for every business, yes. right? Yes. But um, for our business, I think it probably would be at the point that we actually have hired an administration team. Mm. Right. So right now we have project managers and we have all the service providers, right? They are in-house, but they are service providers. They're fulfilling our clients' needs, right? And then my husband does part of that administration. I do part of the administration. And then one of my project managers, a senior project manager, and he helps with some aspects. But we don't truly fully have an entire management team right now, okay. right? Like I don't have a CEO. I don't have a director of operations. I don't have a director of marketing, a director of finances. We don't have that yet because um, Ronald and I fulfill most of those roles. And then we have um, a couple of people like our project manager who are seniors in the company have been for a long time and they help in some of those areas. So I do feel that that transition pointing to adulthood for a business would probably be at the point where we fill at least those three positions, right? Like CEO, CFO, and CMO. Um, and because at that point in time is where I feel that you are an adult who can walk on its own. At that point in time, the business needs Alcy and Ronald, but not in the level it needs right now. Just like an adult who doesn't need their parents anymore, right? They make their own decisions. So at that point, our business would probably be at the level where, yes, a CEO can make the decisions, the CFO can make the decisions, CMO can make the decisions. Yeah. Um, how long will it take to get to that point? I'm not sure. I'm going to be honest. I haven't set any specific goals for that for this year because we're still on very much on like on the marketing and fulfillment side like there's specific goals that we want to do we want to do 100 coaching clients this year which is a part of our services that is a newer part of our services right um so maybe it would be a goal that i would put for next year maybe in terms of revenue could be between you know the 2 million per year revenue maybe 3 million per year something like that mm -hmm. um 
like maybe at that level because we have crossed a million per year revenue and it hasn't put us in that position yet yeah. so maybe it would be at the two million i think not sure a hundred percent but i think something around those lines yeah, that honestly, what you just explained makes perfect sense because what we're talking about is your org chart, right? Your organizational chart. And you have to understand the roles and responsibilities of each of those positions, even though you and your husband are fulfilling a lot of those ones and playing different hats, which is the reality of an entrepreneur, especially with the growth of the business, you still have to be very much eloquently a, right. like approach it in the way that you know what your position should be within the business, what your talents lies on. And you're doing this because you're not at a position right now to hire. But then once you know that that's where you want to hire, then you start fulfilling those needs. Then the company will grow. Obviously always looking at what is the expense to the investment in itself. And you're saying about the 2 million mark would be a potential uh, point that you could do that. So, I mean, I feel like we could talk until tomorrow morning and all this. It's been a great conversation. My last question to you is, after people listening to this, maybe they're interested, they're coaches, they want to go into like, hey, bringing their business to the next level. What's the best place that they could get in touch with you and see how you could serve them to grow their business? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. So we do run a challenge every month, which is where we teach that system. It's a free challenge right now. Um, so if they're interested in learning a little bit more about that, they can sign up for the challenge. And then conversely, um, they can reach out at Alcee at AlceeKimmons.com. Um, and then just kind of talk to us and see, you know, what we could do for them where they are in their business. Because again, depending on your revenue level, um, there would be different tiers of programs that would apply better for you. Um, but the challenge is always a really good option if you are below the $50,000 month mark. So even if you're a 5,000, the challenge would be for you. If you are a 45,000, the challenge would probably be the really good thing for you to do. So yeah, those two ways are really good ways to contact us. And just to clarify, where, where do they go to uh, sign up for this challenge? Um, would giving you the, the URL name help? I mean, the URL or your socials, just so they could put it in afterwards. Obviously, everything will be in the show notes below. But just just to mention, where do they go? Is it do you have on your socials? Is it the website? What is it called? Yeah, it's um, grow.lccumens.com. Perfect. Five day challenge splash five day challenge. Um, if they find me on Facebook is added there. Um, those are like the main ways that we do. We do ads. We do my Facebook profile. Do the funnel. We really keep it very simple. Um, as you grow, you do have to expand more, but like right now, that's what we do. So on my Facebook profile, you probably would find it there on our Facebook page. Perfect. Um, my Joe, there isn't a whole lot of stuff happening there, being hundred percent honest. But the direct link to the challenge would be would be the best way to go. Yeah. That is perfect. Thank you very much for your time and your two cents in regards to the coaching world and how you approach the marketing side of things. This has been a great conversation. Looking forward to uh, speaking to you in the future as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been great. Thanks, everyone. Thank you guys for listening. Once again, this is the Peak Performance Greatness Show. Christopher Dedian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or intrapreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and click that subscribe button. 
Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didier. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day. Thank you.